This is the Hockey News Podcast. The Hockey News Podcast is back, everybody. It's Matt Larkin here with Ryan Kennedy, Ken Campbell. We're finishing off our divisional previews for 2018-19, and... Now we're at the division that I find the least predictable. I have no idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now. I have no idea what I'm talking about. When it comes to the Pacific Division, the division won by the Vegas Golden Knights last year. It's so topsy-turvy. Edmonton was a power the year before. Now we've got the Sharks making crazy moves, the Flames. So I guess we're going to start. And the Golden Knights. And the Golden Knights. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start at the bottom with what we think is the bottom, but who knows? It's the upside down. Maybe this will be the top in a year. <laughs> The Vancouver Canucks is who we have slaughtered at eighth right now. Uh, and would you guys say at, at this point we can still call the Vancouver Canucks a true rebuilder, even though there was, you know, there are some conflicting maneuvers made by Jim Benning. He seems to always pay money for veteran players. Uh, and you have Trent Trevor Linden, who is very committed to the youth movement, kind of being nudged out the door. Kind but, of. <laughs> kind of, yeah, to put, it, to put it lightly. But I still think when you look at this roster built around Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson, if he makes the team, Quinn Hughes eventually, Ollie Ulevi, this is a rebuilding team. Fair? Yeah. And, and you know what? I don't think like getting a guy like Jay Beagle, I mean, that's not, that's not sort of rejigging the rebuild here. You know, I mean, guy, you need guys like Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle. Because, first of all, they're not going to be huge difference makers in terms of the team's performance. Like, if you're riding Jay Beagle, you're not, you know, I mean, it, with all due respect to Jay Beagle, I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to get them 10 points in the standings that they don't need. Right, you know what I mean? Right. But what he is going to do is he's going to take a young team and he's going to say, you know what? We're not good. We're rebuilding. We are we are what we are, and 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 it and and we're not going to win a lot of games here. But you know what? There's certain things around here that are not going to be acceptable. Mm. You know, we're not going to accept losing. We're not going to accept um, you know subpar efforts. We're not going to accept people cutting corners. And that's why those guys are around. And and so that by the time you know you do become a good team, then these young guys that you're talking about are developing the kinds of habits that they need to have in order to make that step. And I, and I, so I don't have a problem with that. You know, I mean, I think we're all in agreement. The best thing for the Vancouver Canucks would be to win the lottery and, and have the Hughes brothers together. Yeah. Right. I mean, like that would be, that would be ridiculous for this franchise. I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, they, the, the, to me, the, the, the Canucks epitomize plucky. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're really sure. plucky, and plucky teams sometimes do better than you think. Yeah. So that's fair. That's my read on them. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because when they made those moves during the early days of free agency, at first I was like, why are you getting these sort of finishing guys like a Jay Beagle or, you know, an Antoine Roussel? Um, I still think it's weird, but I totally get your point, Ken. And I think for players like Jake Vertanen or Nikolai Goldobin who are working their way up and, and really trying to become NHL pros, guys like that definitely get that job done. And, and you're right where you, you want to make sure the room is in good hands, and I think they've done that. In terms of the rebuild, I mean, they're in really good shape because, um, you know, Bo Horvat, I think, has already established himself 
as a very good two-way center in the NHL. Definitely a, a, a top six guy. He's not a number one, though. He's not a Maybe number not one. a number one. But I mean, Probably a number two. But they've got the guy that should be the number one Elias by the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. You think? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Bo Horvat can take on... The big responsibility is up front. Elias Pettersson can hopefully get some, you know, some good matchups and really get his confidence. I mean, you see, he basically ended Ryan Strom's hockey life <laughs> in the exhibition. You know, I mean, like, he send his widow some flowers yeah. after that. Dangles all day. That was like an Allen Iverson ankle breaker yeah. that Pettersson pulled off there. So, you know, the kid's on his way. He's got some skills. Uh, you know, Brock Besser, obviously a huge... Uh, component of this rebuild as well. He's the scorer. And they still got guys coming up, which I think is important. You look at the defense core, and as long as you have Chris Tanev and uh, to a lesser extent Alexander Edler, you're, you're not going to be horrible, but you, you do want a guy like Yo Levy to, to earn minutes and, and to make his way up. I think the key really for Vancouver this year is going to be deployment. How often do we see Thatcher Demko at the NHL level? How, you know, how much time does Ole Olevi get, even if he's making mistakes in the beginning? How do you deploy Elias Pettersson? Those are the big questions for me. The, the results are almost inconsequential because, you know, as Ken pointed out, the greatest thing would be to get Jack Hughes to play with brother Quinn Hughes next year. If they finish eighth, it's fine. Even if they finish sixth, they can still win the lottery, um, mm-hmm. but I think right this is a table-setting year for Vancouver. It's interesting too because every year there's that team that is supposed to be scorched earth mm-hmm. that is way ahead of schedule. New Jersey and Colorado last year, the Leafs did it the year before. Mm-hmm. So I still sometimes wonder if Vancouver has potential to be that out of nowhere team. You yeah. know, if Pedersen is Calder Trophy caliber good. Betzer's healthy. Maybe he scores 40 goals. Maybe Jonathan Dolan makes the team and has that great chemistry. Oh, he did. Pedersen, oh, he didn't make the team? No. <laughs> okay, breaking news from Ryan Kennedy. He didn't make the team. But I'm still saying that... Yeah, not even out of training no. camp, right? No, but uh, so they were like, talking yeah. about him like he was going to be special. So, yeah, yeah there yeah. we go. Yeah, it's training camp. But still, regardless, <laughs> regardless, uh, I, I wonder if Thatcher Demko is already the best goalie in the organization, including Jacob Markstrom and Anders Nielsen. Oh, yeah. If he gets his yeah. chance. Yeah. You never know. I, I think, yeah. I mean, it's... It's, it's unlikely, but we've seen it happen every year. The NHLs, there's last year we had seven out of 16 teams in the field were new playoff teams. So we always see it happen. One of these teams, one of these bottom dweller teams is going to shock us. It's going to be, it's going to be Vancouver. It's going to be Ottawa. It's going to be Buffalo. It could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, be Ottawa. I mean, yeah, let's face it. It's not really going to be Ottawa. Sorry, Ottawa. Uh, but it could be, finally, the number seven team in our predicted rankings, which is the Arizona Coyotes. I feel like yeah. every year yeah. we think, okay, finally they've made the right moves. They're really starting to show something, and they don't. And last year they were almost historically awful in the first half, but they were pretty decent. They were a better than 500 team in the second half. Um, Alex Galchenyuk is a little bit banged up already, which is too bad. Uh, but Clayton Keller is a great guy to build around. They're a young team. They have a lot of potential. Anti Ranta was almost Vezina caliber good last year, especially in the second half. So do you think we're finally going to see at least progress from Arizona? Or yeah. are they sort of a team now that we need them to prove it to us? Well, they well both. Both, because they, they do. I mean, and, and uh, you know, I, th- I think Arizona, for this year to be a success, they have to be playing meaningful games in March and early April. Yes. They got to be playing games that mean something. They got to be in a playoff race. And and I don't see why they can't other than the fact that 
they're just in a division that's real tough. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, you put this team in the Atlantic division and there might be, you know, there might be some, they, they might, they might actually make the playoffs in that division. But I think that this is a team that, you know, in, they, they do have to show us it. They do have to show us that they're, that they want to become more than just, you know, the NHL's, the rest of the NHL's farm team, right? And I think they've, they've made some, they've made some real strides in that respect. I think Michael Grabner's a great pickup. He's one of the, he's a terrific five-on-five player. Gets virtually no playoff or uh, power play time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he's a guy that, you know, could really make a contribution there. And, you know, you look at some of their guys, I mean, you expect Oliver Ekman Larson, now that he's been named captain, to be sort of the alpha male there. They've got a pretty decent defense. And he ran to, you know, I mean, part of the reason why they were so terrible at the beginning of last year was was he was hurt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, statistically, I I think he had the best save percentage in the NHL last year. Uh, he was right there. It might have been yeah. Carter Hutton. Yeah, of guys who played a certain number of games, right. yeah. he I think he had the best save percentage. And he was so, 945 yeah. after the All-Star break. Yeah, so I see a lot of good things happening in Arizona, and I think they're trending in the right direction. And this year, I think, like I say, it's it's they've got to be playing meaningful games. They can't <clears> be out of it in January. Like, that would just be terrible, I think. They were actually out of it in November. They were out of it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they were out of it right from the get-go. Yeah, exactly. I think you're going to see some good growth here. Rick Tockett, with this being his second year behind the bench, I think what you see is a lot of the systems and the structure really cement in Arizona. A lot of first-year coaches go through that. And, of course, you know, with Ronta being injured and them going on that terrible losing streak, that didn't help either. But I think the important thing is Tockett still had the room. And, he, and you know, they progressed as the season went on. I mean, when I look at their forwards right now, it's a little, it's a little soft in terms of high-end talent other than Clayton Keller. Um, you know, Derek Stepan, he's, he's a number-two center in, in a perfect world. Uh, Galchenyuk, so far, I think his ceiling has been second-line center in terms of what we've seen, even though he does have a 30-goal campaign under his belt. I would love to see Galchenyuk break out. Do they have the wingers to make that happen? I'm not really sure, again, other than Clayton Keller. I think Ekman Larson's going to be great. You know, the, the defense core, they've got some nice veteran pieces there. I'm not sure if some of them aren't too old at this point. I think that's going to be a big acid test. I think seventh is is pretty fair, but if they can be a competitive seventh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the best case scenario. And then you you hope for some internal growth. And I'm not sure I'm not sure where the ceiling is with this franchise in terms of what they have in the pipeline right now, but. I mean, they they got they got to keep building, and they got to do it organically. And speaking of the pipeline, let's just ask it straight up: Is Dylan Strom a thing? Will he ever be a thing? Or are all of the Stroms doomed because of their skating to never become NHL stars or NHL regulars? Mm. When in the case of Dylan and Matthew, for all we know. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think Dylan Strom is the real thing, and I think yeah. I think they handled him perfectly. I think, I think they, I think, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I would talk to people who would say, you know, look at the numbers Dylan Strom's putting up in the AHL. Why the hell aren't they calling this guy up? Because he's not ready Mm. and he, and he, and, and they're not rushing him into the NHL. And I, and I think that to give him the year that he had last year where he could kind of really 
you know, get some confidence and, and really excel at that level, I think that's going to that's gonna translate over to this year. He's got to become a better skater. He's got to do what John Tavares did, mm -hmm. you know, to even a, a bigger extent because he's, you know, that, that is the... That is the weakest part of his game. He doesn't have to become Pavel Bure, but he has to become something better than what he is. And Mark yeah. Stone's another example of a guy who took a long time. He was a pretty old rookie by the time he finally yep. broke in, and the yep. skating was the knock, but true. he became a true success story. Merit yeah, I mean, Mark Recchi wasn't a great skater, you know? And he got it done. I mean, it can be done. But you've got to, you've got to at least... You know, I mean, skating is the big equalizer, right? If you, if you can't skate, you can't play. It doesn't matter how... How good you are. If you yeah. can't move your feet in this league, you You're can't good. play. It doesn't matter what your skill level is. But if you can at least kind of hang, yeah. hang in there, you'll be okay. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because like Michael Grabner is the anti-Dylan Strom. He's the guy that's got the great wheels, yeah, yeah. but he yeah. doesn't have the you know crazy cerebral hockey mind and yeah. passing skills. And can't finish. He just yeah. melted yeah. them into one guy. Yeah. He's a pretty good player. <laughs> Uh, number six, we have a team that we had making the Stanley Cup final a year ago, and now we've lost confidence in them, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and you look at the off-season additions, the biggest ones are, you know, backup goalie Miko Koskinen, Tobias Reeder, who might be able to play in the top six, at least the top nine. You know, you drafted Evan Bouchard, which is great for the future, but have you really built the support system around Connor McDavid right now to inspire optimism, or do you think this team is doomed again this year? Well, they've got too much money tied up in too few players. And that's why they weren't able to make any upgrades this summer. And they didn't upgrade anything. So mm -hmm. now what it, what it becomes is, okay, so all those underachievers last year. I mean, who, who played to his potential last year? Connor uh, McDavid. Connor McDavid. Maybe Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Ty Ratty. Yeah. You know, maybe. Yeah, yeah, the news. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Darnell Nurse. Bueller? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so what they're counting on is some sort of a bump from within. So to me, a guy that's huge in this whole equation is uh, Jesse Pugliardi. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, he is huge. He has got to make the jump. Mm -hmm. He's got to start contributing, you know, because it almost looks like, like did Peter Shirley just barf up his right wingers? Like, like <laughs> my God! Like, what is? You know, look at that right side. Look at that yeah, right side. Not, I mean, it's, not, uh... it, they need they need Puljujarvi to to really make some gains here, and they need Kaylor Yamamoto to at least show that you know he can contribute. You know, and 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 so they do need some of these guys from within. I mean, Connor McDavid's going to be as good or better than he's been. Like, if, yeah. by all accounts he looks faster stronger better than he was last year which is crazy to to, to think um but they need they need others to they need others to raise their standard yeah. and it's funny because we were just talking about patience with dylan strome but if if edmonton had its druthers Kyler Yamamoto would be given that extra time to get stronger yeah he'd be in the minors he'd, he'd be, be in the yeah, minors yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um and with Pugliarvi, it's the same deal, where even though he was taken so high, you would like him to be that complete guy before he came up. But you're burning daylight here, if you're the Oilers. You got McDavid on this long-term contract, and he's, he's peak McDavid right now. I mean, he's going to be this good for years, sure, yeah, yeah. but, you know, I mean... 
Adam Larson, Oscar Clefbaum, like they need to be healthy, they need to be better. Cam Talbot, you need to decrease his workload a bit. And Koskinen, it seems like the early returns weren't so hot. Who would have thought that a KHL goaltender may not uh, yeah, yeah. caught on so quickly? But, you know, I digress. Yeah, Ty Ratty, is, is, it's funny if you watch Oilers' Twitter, like Ty Ratty seems to be this, like, blanket that they're all holding on to, that if only Ty Ratty can hang with Connor McDavid, everything will be all right. But there's just so many, like... <laughs> There's so many questions here, and it's like, why didn't they get faster over the summer? Like, other than Tobias Reeder, who I, I don't think you want him playing with McDavid just in terms of his offensive upside. But, I mean, Matt, you're right. Like, he's a top nine guy, but he's not a top three guy. Right. Why didn't you get faster? Like, that should have just been the goal. It's like, no matter what we do, we need players that can hang with Connor McDavid. And... Maybe it's Ty Ratty, maybe it's Yamamoto, but I mean, that's a lot of maybes for a team that mm-hmm. should be contending after so many first overall picks over the years and so many years invested in building something that's not fleeting. Well, it's kind of funny because, you know, I'm looking at our yearbook, which we put together this summer. They're, on their depth chart, the first the first guy at right wing is Kaylor Yamamoto. Yeah. <laughs> and in our season preview, he's number five. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't know for sure that he's going to make the right, team exactly. and Raddy's going to give him the job. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, the depth chart, I mean, in terms of organizational value, we, we, you hope that Yamamoto is the guy in the long term. But like you said, you don't want to rush him. But he, I think that's been a problem in Edmonton time and again over the years is young players being forced into responsibility that they're not ready to handle yeah. yet. But there's right. always this pressure because you have these first overall picks that you're re- repeatedly building around. But I, I think I'm with you guys. I don't see the improvements. And I do think McDavid, believe it or not, has one more rung to go. Um, because I crunched the numbers about this. And I even talked to him about this. He Because he and Gretzky are the only guys to win two scoring titles by 21. Uh, but if you look at Gretzky, Lemieux, Ovechkin, Crosby, all these generational talents, all of their peak seasons were at age 22 and 23. McDavid's mm-hmm. 21. So uh-huh. it's pretty scary to think about it that McDavid might have another rung. At yeah. the same time, I don't think that's going to elevate the team into the playoffs. He can't do it all by himself. Yeah. So I'm with you guys. I think that they didn't do enough, and it's going to be another long year. Like, like are we like are we looking at are we looking at the wasting of Connor McDavid? You know, like like in the short term. In yeah. the short term, but but I mean, can you build it quickly enough to 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 capitalize on those twenty two, twenty three, yeah. twenty four years that are supposed to be the you know the salad days? Yeah. And the great irony is Taylor Hall, meanwhile, is shining his MVP award having just made the playoffs, and McDavid is experiencing what Hall did for all those right. years of right. just kind of wasting away yeah. and not making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, number five, now we, I call this sort of the boring district. We have a few veteran teams that are always pretty good. Yep. They're still pretty good, but in my opinion, their window is now closing. I, we'll go with the Los Angeles Kings at number five. Yes, they added Ilya Kovalchuk, but I think we all agree what they needed was speed. What's been hurting this team is a lack of speed, and Kovalchuk's 35 years old. He might score 25 goals this year, 30 goals. He's still a very skilled player, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that a 240-pound, 35-year-old man is not going to be a burner this season. Although he had some, he was moving. He's in got the preseason. skill, and I'm not saying he's yeah. going to be slow, but I don't think that 
Yeah, they if Kovalchuk is your biggest move, yeah, yeah, that's right. But if it's your biggest move, I don't think the Kings have addressed their problem. Absolutely Look at how, how badly Vegas eviscerated them. I mean, I know the games were close, but it was a sweep. A sweep is a sweep. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I, I'm just not convinced the Kings have done enough. I think they're kind of just I, sitting on their hands, other than the Kovalchuk move. I would I would agree with you because they play the Kings play in a division where where Las Vegas wasn't content with making the Stanley Cup final. They didn't stand back. They went out and got Stassi and Pacioretty. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Sharks, we know what they did. Yeah. You know, and even Calgary, you know, with the trade that they made for Noah Hannafin and, and, uh, and then they picked up James, James Neal. Neal. I mean, they're in, a, they're in a division where teams are not standing still and they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they seem to think, I don't think they think it because, you know, they've got a lot tied up in, in, a, in a few guys. And, and I think... You know, they, they seem to still be running on the fumes of 2013 and 2015 here. And, and um, 2012 and 2014. Yeah, 12 yeah. and 14. Right. I'm sorry, that's right. right. Chicago was 13 yeah, and 15. You got it. Yeah, 12 and 14. You're right. Um, I think they're still running on those fumes. And, um, yeah, and I mean, the game's changed, obviously. And they, they just don't. You're right. I mean, they just don't have the guys who can who can keep up, I don't think. And, and, you know, I mean, as long as you have Jonathan Quick in goal, I think you're in a good place that way because he's one of the best goalies in the NHL when he's healthy and when he's, when he's on a roll. But, um, yeah, I, I, just don't see, I just don't see enough sort of turnover there for them to really kind of, you know, I mean, is Andre Kopitar going to be better than he was last year? Ninety-two points. Yeah, I mean, won the Selkie, game. We know he'll still be sublime. Yeah. Defensive. I mean, Jeff Carter will be healthy, you presume, for yeah. the entire season. That'll help. But yeah, I just I don't see I don't see a team that has embraced change enough in order to kind of get themselves out of the rut they're in. Well, and that's what's really interesting is that when you talk to teams these days about how they want to play, they say, "Oh, we want to play fast. Uh, you know, we want to play at a high pace." And I, I'm sure the Kings say that, but when you look at the players they have, they still are a big team. I mean, Kovalchuk, the big addition, uh, big frame guy, and, and speed is not what he's known for. Uh, but he's a, you know he can protect the puck, and obviously he can score. You know, Kopitar, big body, you know, great two-way player, and it's it's kind of funny because you even look at one of their top prospects in Gabe Velarde, and the knock on him in his draft year was his skating. But he's a big body, and he's great at protecting the puck. He kind of seems like he was destined to play for the Los yeah, Angeles yeah. Kings. Yeah, now, yeah. Is it is it an unconscious strategy that, you know, what what got them the success, they're just going to stick with, and they're zigging while everybody zags? I mean, it's it's something that maybe it can work, but at the same time, you could lose in the first round of the playoffs the next four years because when it gets into a seven-game series, especially early on, your lack of speed is just such a detriment that you you can't keep up with Vegas or, you know, Calgary or San Jose. It's going to be fascinating to me what what the Kings can do. And the Kings in the last four seasons have had two playoff misses, two first-round exits. And I'm reminded, actually, of a conversation I had with Drew Doughty last summer. Two things he said (coughs) stood out to me. One of the things he said was, I love still being on a team that likes to hit people in the mouth. 
And he also said, everyone says we're slow, but hey, we can just play faster. So to me, like you said, mm. that sounds like someone who's just stuck in the mentality of we're, we're the champions and we're, we can do no wrong a yeah. little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm also skeptical that they're going to evolve. We'll see. But so far, they haven't been. It's four wasted years in a row now for, for the Kings. Uh, number four, we have a team in a similar spot uh, for different reasons. But the Anaheim Ducks, uh, they were disposed of easily in the first round last year. We know they've got that great young blue line. They've got a great young goaltender in John Gibson. Uh, but the problem with the Ducks right now, of course, is that forward group is getting long in the tooth. Ryan Kessler, major hip problems. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff still producing at a high level, but he's getting into his 30s. Corey Perry, not the player he was before. So you do have some good young forwards. You know, Ricard Raquel, and you have some exciting potential prospects in Sam Steele, Max Jones, etc. <laughs> but they're not slam dunk superstar forward prospects. So the Ducks to me are a team that I would have liked to see them make some bigger moves in the offseason because I do think that the the window for this incarnation of the team, the Getzlaff Perry years, I think is starting to close. Yeah, and I think that's... Yeah, that's kind ahead. of the that's kind of the big problem with the Ducks is that they can't move on to the next generation until the previous one is finished. And again, like you're never going to be that bad when you have Ryan Getzlaff as your number one center. I mean, eventually, I mean, if he was 45, then fair enough. But you know, they have all these veterans and they've built very well, but the ceiling right now isn't there. I think that's sort of the issue is. Other than that great defense core, the forwards, like you say, they're aging. And until you can get Sam Steele a lot of minutes, until Troy Terry can get a lot of minutes, I'm not sure you know what you have. I mean, Nick Ritchie is another player that you need to see what he can do long term. Well, he's got to sign a contract. First. Yeah, right. Right now he's skating in Guelph. Um, but you need to get those guys into the fold. And I, I just I feel like they're kind of stuck in the middle right now where they could win a round, they could miss the playoffs, I, nothing would really surprise me. To me, they're, they're the epitome of a, a good but not great team. Yeah. They're just yep. a good team. They're just a good team that'll probably have a decent regular season, and then you, know, then you hope that they catch fire in the playoffs and win a couple of rounds. or you know, I, I could see that happening. But, I, I, I mean, there's a real demarcation point in this division, in my opinion, between mm. numbers one, two, and three, and then four. Yeah. There's a big drop to four, and Anaheim's in that four spot. I don't think they're, I don't think they're anywhere in that realm of the top three teams in this division, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. Mm. Um, to me, they're another team that has to get faster, and, they, and they, they may have with guys like Brian Gibbons and Carter Rowney, but... Those are bottom, bottom. Not the kind of fast you need. Yeah, those are forward flying guys. Those are guys that will be really energy good on the penalty, energy, yeah. and all that sort of thing. But, but not in the spots where you need it. You know, and as good as their defense is, um, you know, Luke Shannon and Andre Schuster are probably their what six, seven defensemen, five, six defensemen. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a depth issue there, I would think. Um, John Gibson, I think, is real and is a goalie who's on the rise. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, like, the Ducks just strike me as, yeah, they're, they're good. They're good, but they're not, like, they're not. They're a real hockey team that exists. Yeah. 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 That's right. They're going to win some games. And they're yes. going to win some games and lose some games, and they're going to lose in the first round or second round. Probably. You know? I think the one possible equalizer, or elevator, I should say, 
is Gibson. Uh, finally hit the 60-game threshold for the mm-hmm. first time after some injury concerns. And uh, in the last week, I was crunching a lot of numbers on all the goalies because I was determining uh, Vezina candidates for this year. And statistically, especially the under-the-hood numbers, you can make a strong case that Gibson was the best goalie in the entire league. Mm. He rated really high in all the metrics, you know, even strength, save percentage, low danger, high danger, uh, medium danger. But what was really fascinating with Gibson is that he had one of the highest concentrations of medium to high danger chances on him. So he was getting peppered with high quality scoring chances, mm-hmm. and he still had fantastic overall numbers. So nice. he earned what he yeah. got. Right? Maybe that defense score is not as good as we thought. Exactly. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought yeah. when I read that. I was like, man. Yeah. And whereas, whereas Connor Hellebuck was the opposite. Hellebuck ranked second in Vezina voting, but Hellebuck had almost the highest percentage of low danger chances. So right. his defense was right. really helping him out. Right. Uh, so Gibson, to me, is almost a sleeping giant. If, if he can stay healthy and play 65 games this year, I think he could earn Anaheim another five victories. Do you, only, do you only play Ryan Miller 15 games, though? Um, like, really? I mean, I mean, he's getting old. Yeah, he is. He is. But he's Ryan Miller, I, so I don't, I don't know. And he, was, he was outstanding as a backup last year. He was yeah. terrific. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. almost a bit of a problem, too, because... Well, I, I guess it's not because, I mean, with John Gibson hitting that 60-game barrier, that's a good thing. But then, much like Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa, if you get into that 65 to 70 range, does he all of a sudden burn it? Right. Tukarask, finally Boston started giving Tukarask 10 fewer starts and because yeah. the same thing was happening to him. Uh, now we're into the top three, and again, this is a, a coin flip, but who knows? Yeah. I think this is a good conservative spot for us to put Vegas. We still yep. respect that they're a competitive team. Mm-hmm. We're not calling them to duplicate last year, uh, but they did add Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny, which is probably an upgrade over James Neal and David Perron overall. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, everything did go right, and Marc-Andre Fleury's health is always a concern at his age with the concussions. Uh, but I, I think we're also giving a vote of confidence here to Gerard Gallant and his coaching style and the sort of furious forecheck strategy, which I assume they're going to keep doing. But what do you guys think? No, I, well, I don't think they're going to change their approach to the game. If mm-hmm. they do, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, what I like about them is I, I probably before the, the, the Stastny and Pacioretty pickups, I would, have been, I would have been more apt to think that this team – is going to take a step back, but I could see them. I could see them being as good as they were last year with those additions. And and you know, I mean, I do, I just you know, I mean, their top two lines. There's not many teams that can that can throw the two two lines at you that that are that good. You know, especially with even in our season preview, we don't have Pacioretty priced into their range. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, he's going to be playing with Stastny and Tuck, likely, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the first line we all know. I mean, is William Carlson going to shoot twenty four percent again? Probably not. Um, you know, is Jonathan Marchessault going to be as good as he was? Maybe. I mean, he. I don't see. I don't see where he would regress. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's the underrated he's a, guy. Too. He's a player that 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 I think was always good that we just didn't know about. I think he's Martin Saint Louis. He's following a Martin Saint Louis career trajectory. A guy that wasn't given. Well, not quite. Not quite. Not yet. But yeah. But I'm saying, but Martin Saint Louis in his first couple breakout years was like you know 70 points. Right. Right. So I'm just saying, so far, yeah, is the guy that no one seems to sort of respect. He bounces around from franchise to franchise, finally given a chance, and all he does is produce. Mm -hmm. And I think Saint Louis at the same point of his career, he was also a late bloomer, right? So I don't know. I see similarity there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The big X factor for me right now is Nate Schmidt's suspension. Mm-hmm. I mean, 20 games is substantial. Now, granted, this defense was very much, you know, a collective. There By wasn't committee. one guy that really stood out. But Nate Schmidt was really good last year. 
ironically, Shea Theodore, another player that has yet to sign a contract. Uh, I'm sure that will come soon, but it really is about recapturing that magic and, you know, having guys step up. What's Marc-Andre Fleury going to be like yeah. at this point? Yeah. I mean, he had an amazing season, mm-hmm. um, but he's had amazing seasons before, and he's had so-so seasons yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. I think third is a good spot for them, and I think it's recognizing that they are in that top tier of the division and that they could certainly make a lot of noise in the playoffs again. I guess my only fear postseason for them is the Washington Capitals crack the code pretty quickly in that series. They figured out that instead of Vegas running north-south constantly on teams, if they can get them circling around their own zone, they got a little lost. Yeah. yeah. And I think if, you know, teams aren't going to do that night to night because it's too hard, but in a seven-game series, you know, I, I think there is that potential where if, if that's what you're driving your success off, teams can figure it out. Now, I mean, with Pacioretty coming in and, and Stastny, I think that gives them a little more versatility up front in terms of how they can attack. But I, I feel this is, a, this is a nice spot for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at number two, it's a team that maybe, I mean, when we did this vote, they did not have Eric Carlson yet. Uh, so we have the San Jose Sharks at number two, and the reason why we had them at number two at the time was they were a solidly built, competitive squad, probably the one safe team in the division that we could predict pretty accurately uh, with that good veteran group and strong defense core, solid, good but not great goalie, Martin Jones. But now everything's blown up. You add Eric Carlson to the mix. So the first question I should ask is, should we be now ranking San Jose as the number one team? I, I think we should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, would, I would put them number one in this division. Because, like, when are they not going to have the puck? Mm-hmm. Like, right. when are they not going to have the puck? I mean, they, they've got two defensemen that are maybe the best in the world at driving the, the best play. in the past. Driving the play. I would say the best in this millennium. Yeah, yeah moving, moving, moving the puck. Moving the puck. And they've got forwards who can who know what to do with it. I yeah. mean, you know, Logan Couture, Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, you know, Evander Kane. I mean, these guys are not guys who are going to, you know, make bad decisions with the puck, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the playoffs, I mean, Brent Burns, uh, Eric Carlson, and or Marc-Andre Vlasic are going to be on the ice for the whole game. Yeah. For the entire game. Yeah. For the entire game. Yeah, just like the uh, what Nashville can do with its top. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I, I do think that they deserve to move up a peg. And uh, I'm, I'm excited as I'll get out to see what this team can do this year. Yeah. And it's fun because with Mark Edward Vlasic, you have one of the best shutdown guys in the league. And then you have these offensive guys in Brent Burns and, and Eric Carlson. It's, it's just so many fun weapons. And... You know, you can you can complain about their depth a little bit now, but it's kind of like, who cares? With so much usage going to those top guys, I mean, it only has to work for one season. That's right. It's you know? funny. <laughs> I, and I've been talking to the team actually this week for our next uh, issue of the magazine and talking about are they really taking their big swing in the Stanley Cup window. But you know what? Joe Pavelski made a good point to me. He said, 
People said that about us. Remember two years ago when no one thought, we, people thought we were finished and we were facing the Kings in round one, the team we couldn't beat, and then we go all the way to the final. And now people misremember that as, oh, that was San Jose's peak. But no, at the time, yeah. I, I went back yeah. and looked at our, our hockey news preview that year, and we were calling the Sharks finished. We called Joe, Th- Joe Thornton a declining asset. <laughs> they go all the way to the final. So I think they have the mentality that their window is not closed. They have a really good shot this year. And, and I think we might, believe it or not, see the best Eric Carlson season yet because he statistically last year, so even though he had his ankle rebuilt, had personal life hell to go through, uh, had 62 points in 71 games. Yeah. But he had the most primary points per 60 minutes of any defenseman in the league and statistically had the second worst quality of teammate, of pairing, of any defenseman in the league who played more than 1,000 minutes. Ryan Suter ranked number one in that category. Uh, yeah. But Eric Carlson was number So he had second worst pairings all year, number one most productive defenseman. Now he's going to be playing with mm, maybe Vlasic or, or and on that power play. Maybe they're going to put him in Burns, double stack, whatever they do. He's never had teammates like this. No. So we could no. see the greatest no. Eric Carlson ever. We could. Year. We could. And, and depending on how he responds to the injury and <laughs> the thing is, you know, I mean, like you can say there's only one puck, right? <laughs> But when a guy goes to San Jose, there's such a culture there mm-hmm. of doing things the right way. And guys, like, I mean, Eric Carlson isn't going to go there and become a, you know, a Hollywood guy, right? Right. Like, he and Brent Burns, like, they're probably two of the most down-to-earth guys. And, and you know, a guy like Joe Thornton and guys like that, like, like, they don't get caught up in that stuff there. It's all about the team. And I think, I think when you have players of that stature and of that talent level who are able to buy into um who are able to buy into you know that that kind of situation you've got it you've got a really good pot you know it looks good it looks really good for this team i think and keep an eye on thomas hurdle he's really developing into a top tier two-way player and again they might be a little older up front but with hurdle and evander kane like they've got guys that still have legs and it's it's just a nice combination and martin jones is just like the most effectively boring guy like he just he just plays boring he talks boring like i've talked to him he doesn't he's not really flashy at all all he does is just you know just just, just there gets gets his 916 yeah 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 yeah. but it's so true about the buy the the buy-in of the players and evander kane is a great case study in that he he signed his extension uh, not even three weeks he'd been a, a shark for less than two months. He'd been eliminated from the playoffs less than three weeks, and he signed for seven years. That's how quickly he bought in. Mm-hmm. And the Sharks players were telling me last week that, I mean, they love living there, of course. It's a great setup. And you know, Felski's talking about, oh, the traffic's great. But all that's great, of course. Yeah. But the main reason they all buy in is they, they have a, an ownership in GM that is going to keep putting a good team with a chance, mm-hmm. a puncher's chance every year. And Wilson even Doug Wilson even told me that last week that – he believes he owes it to all these players that he gives long-term extensions to. If he's not giving them a chance to win the cup every year, he feels like he's lying to his players. Right. So right. he doesn't really believe in a rebuild, he said. And that's why the Sharks are always in this tier of, like, they're always going to be pretty good, a high-floor team. But with Carlson on board, their ceiling is astronomically higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other team that we have jockeying with San Jose for number one is possibly the most improved team, um, at least before, before the Carlson trade, the most improved team, the Calgary Flames, because they did so much in the offseason. They bring in Bill Peters. They've added Noah Hannafin, even though they lost Dougie Hamilton. you got James Neal, uh, Elias Lindholm, who looks like he's going to get the first crack on the top line on the right side. Even Derek Ryan, who's quite an underrated depth center. Uh, so I don't know. Personally, I really like what this team's done. 
and they had a lot of bad injury luck last year. We've talked about that on the podcast before. So injury luck alone, their forecast looks better, and right. you add all these bodies. Right. So I believe in the Flames this year, even though I know we're projecting them out a little bit after a playoff miss. What about you guys? Well, I, I, yeah, I think that they, there's definitely a lot of room to make gains here. Um, I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to goaltending and depth, depth players. You know, uh, we know that Johnny Goodrow is going to be good, great. We know Sean Monaghan is going to be great. We know for a fact that James Neal, James Neal is going to be a really good player for this team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but, but they need their depth players to contribute more. Okay, so I think that's and I think that's where they I think that's where they they faltered last year, you know. So the guys like you know like the Sam Bennett's, what are they going to do? You know, Mark Jankowski, what's he going to do? What you know, what's Elias Lindholm going to do in this new in this new universe, right? Um, I think that that's where the where the the room for improvement, you, you know, where that gap kind of kind of kind of lessens. If those guys can pick up their games and Mike Smith can be healthy. And because I don't think it's a matter of whether or not he can be good, because he is. I think it's whether or not he can be healthy. I think that that those will be the the biggest determining factors. Yeah, and I think if you look at just the impact that Bill Peters can have on this team, that defense core it's it's a little rejigged because Dougie Hamilton's gone, no Hannafin's in. But you know what impact can he have on T.J. Brody, uh, who you know struggled last year after mm-hmm. having a, a breakout season? I think just Getting everybody going in the same direction is going to be very important. And if Bill Peters can make the team more comfortable, then, then all of a sudden all those great assets you have can be kind of unlocked. And, you know, I mean, we haven't even talked about Michael Backlund and Matthew Kachuk and, you know, and Michael Froelich and what a great possession line they have been for the Flames. And then, you know, as you say, you got Johnny Gaudreau, you got Monaghan, you got James Neal. Yeah, when you look at the depth, I, th- I think Derek Ryan is going to be kind of key there in terms of giving you those nice bottom six minutes. But uh, they've got the elements, so if they can put it all together, and as long as Mike Smith stays healthy, then I think you're cool. I think if Mike Smith gets hurt, then you probably don't have the guy who can step in and give you, you know, forty games uh, or you know whatever you need if Smith is on the shelf. Uh, that would be a big X factor, but. I mean, the elements are there. Like, Brad Living has built this team to win. He's made the bold moves. Now it's just about execution. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think it comes down to Mike Smith just in that he, we want him to be healthy, but he's into his mid-30s now. He's 35, 36 years old. So now the odds of him getting hurt again are probably pretty high. Big guy. Uh, was so good before the injury, but was just as bad as he was good post-injury. So mm-hmm. that is the mm-hmm. X factor. But regardless, we like the Flames to be right there at the top with the Sharks. And that concludes our league-wide list of division previews. Hope you enjoyed them. And I guess the next time we talk, it's going to be time for the start of the regular season. We'll see you soon. Or we'll hear you soon.